Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, everyone. It's Jacqueline. Just a quick note before this week's episode starts. It's a great show. You're going to love it. It's really smart. It's funny. It's full of dirty talk. There's talk about emojis. It's got a little bit of everything. But what it doesn't have is ideal sound. So I hope you'll be patient with it. It's perfectly audible, but not as great as I want it to be. The other thing is, if you love the show, if you want to help other people find it, and you have a minute, if you could stop by iTunes and give us a rating and a review, that's how we bump up in the algorithm and other people can find the show. So stop by iTunes, tell other people they should check it out, and thanks for sharing. Enjoy the show. Hello, gorgeous people, and welcome to the Yes Means Yes show, where the personal and the political get intimate. I'm your host, Jacqueline Friedman, and every other week I'm joined by one smart and provocative guest to discuss sex, sexuality, and or sex-related current events. And this week's we're going to do a little of all three. I have with me a really wonderful woman who I met this past weekend at the BinderCon conference in New York, which is a conference for women and gender nonconforming folks who write. Um, and we were in a podcasting session together and we both raised our hands and asked more or less the same question about our feminism and sexuality related podcasts. And then we became fast friends. Um, uh, so without further ado, I, I want to introduce to you Tina Horn, who is, in fact, a writer, educator, interdisciplinary media maker, queer punk and true karaoke believer. We're going to talk about karaoke at the end, I think. Um, currently, she produces and hosts the podcast Why Are People Into That, which is a really great podcast uh, that demystifies desire. Her first book is a collection of nonfiction stories about Bay Area sex workers called Love Not Given Lightly. And she's uh, working on or just about to come out with a book about sexting, which is actually what I've invited her to talk about today. Tina, thanks for coming on my show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad that we met it actually hasn't even been a week since we met. It hasn't. It's been a whirlwind friendship. <laughs> but I'm I'm so happy to be on your show. I downloaded it uh, actually right away on the subway ride on the way home from VanderCon and was just uh, all about it. So it's an an honor and a pleasure to be here. Well, it's a thrill to have you on. Uh, were there any particular episodes you were grooving on? Um, yeah, I definitely went straight for Ken great fantasy <laughs> feminist and two things first of all i didn't even realize when i downloaded it that your guest was tristan Terramino, who is a good friend of mine has been on my show like longtime colleague um but also about two-thirds of the way through the episode she actually tristan brought me up did she <laughs> she did she um so you guys were asking the question can great fantasies be feminist Guess what? They can. Uh, I was happy to learn that from your podcast. And uh, um, I'm happy to provide that service to you. Thank you. Thank Wait, you. what did she say about you, though? So um, many years ago, I got I, I how can I even talk about this? Um, I filmed this rape fantasy that was, that was you. Uh, that was that was 
sort of, I was just starting um, this website that I used to direct and produce and that I co-created called Queer Porn TV. And we really wanted to have a lot of boundary pushing, taboo um, pushing content. And so we were like, let's do a rape fantasy that is very much like with a bunch of friends. Um, and it, it never saw a live day, probably for the best. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was so funny because Tristan, uh, Tristan knows about it. And she was like, well, you really need to talk to Tina Horn, who has her own podcast. And you were like, the revolution will be podcasted. And I was listening to it and I was like, yes. <laughs> and now I'm here. I remember that now. I'm sorry I didn't follow up on that then, but don't, you're, you're following up on it right now. I'm following up on it right now. So let's talk about sexting. Uh, some people may know that there was a big new sexting scandal. It seems like there's one every six months or something. This yeah, one just set up Google alerts for sexting, <laughs> and it's it's a it's a thing. Anyway, Google alerts for sexting is uh, depressing. Um, I mean, it's it's just a lot of basic bitch hot takes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. <laughs> So this one is in Colorado, in a Colorado high school, small town in Colorado, uh, where they discovered that like hundreds of students were playing a game, basically exchanging nude pictures and sort of trying to rack up points for how many they collected of whom. Um, and everyone, of course, is freaking out. And I can say you're totally right that sexting is frequently in the news and these kinds of um, this kind of sexting panic over uh, minors taking uh, nude and sexual pictures of themselves and sending them to other minors, um, sometimes consensually, sometimes perhaps under coercion, um, people maybe non-consensually sharing pictures that were originally taken and shared with them consensually. But this one made the cover of the Sunday Times, and there's something that I really want to narrow in on about the way that the Times framed it, which was... They called it a sexting ring. A sexting ring, which is always a criminal enterprise, isn't it? Yeah, yes. And I don't know about you, but when I think of a of a sexting ring, I think of a bunch of like stereotypes of Italian Americans sitting around a shadowy table, uh, smoking cigars, and you know, with scantily clad women, you know, serving them whiskey, and you know, all of this you know, clandestine, illegal, uh, and plotted out activity. And I sort of doubt that these teenagers were doing any such thing. I mean, it sounds like maybe some of them were sort of actively ringleaders. Um, at least the New York Times made it sound like it sort of was radiating from the football team, yeah. um, which, you know, passes the sniff test for me, at least anyway. <laughs> Um, I guess it just, um, I think that you're, you're, I mean, the, the details have, have yet to sort of come to the light. The details are super well, vague, yeah. But, uh, and I think that you're probably right, and I think that there probably were, like, some young people who are more in uh, social status positions of power, um, probably uh, starting this game and playing this game. I think one of them was referred to as the, the pimp of sexting. Um, which like, that's a lot to unpack. Yeah. So much to unpack, uh, probably in that teenage way that they've like heard in the hip hop. Um, that, that um, pimp is like an awesome status symbol. Yes. That's right. A, ma a masculine glamour. Yes. Power symbol. Exactly. And, um, but I guess it just, I feel like part of my, not to, um, you know, uh, I don't want to bury the lead. Um, but, uh, I, I feel like one of my biggest issues with these stories is the way that more um, maliciousness is applied to young people who are sexually curious and uh, like trying to connect and relate to one another sexually and are pushing, like learning their own boundaries in a way that I think is totally normal and also that I experienced when I was a uh, minor and that I think, uh, I think many of us will agree that sexual experimentation for people who are going through puberty and in the like hot house of, um, 
of high school is um is quite normal and nothing to be um worried about and so the idea that there's something dysfunctional about people who would be sharing naked pictures of each other is that's where i i start to bristle um because it seems like there's definitely this like moralizing and control going on there that makes me very uncomfortable i agree with you in principle um and that that idea that we should be teaching kids like that sexting is bad full stop absolutely but i do have to wonder and again the details are really scant in terms of what we actually know um, that if there are hundreds of photos of different people being shared, how consensual consensual that sharing can be for all of those people. No, that's um, a good point. And I feel like when the moral panic uh, winds up shadowing the actual real issues of non-consent, right? That's so, right. you know, A, was anyone coerced into doing it? What were the social pressures for participating? But B, even more importantly, you know, like... If I, you know, if I'm a 16 year old and I if I send some naked picture of myself to someone I trust as a as a means of of sexual expression or connection Mm. and they share that without my consent with their buddies, like that's the violation. And and that never gets teased out in the media. It doesn't. And I feel like, you know, this is very much the same with um, the fappening um with yes. jennifer lawrence and and um and and reddit and 4chan and and uh you know her pictures scarlett johansson's pictures um being released i would say that this is really pervasively the same in all kinds of conversations about you know the most basic conversation about rape culture of asking for it um and also, and I, I know that we're going to get to this in a bigger way, I think that this is really true about conversations about sex workers and sex worker rights, that it's, you know, people are obscuring the issues of knowing the difference between consent and exploitation by, by focusing on moralizing. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I think the same is true, for example, about uh, the hookup culture, the supposed hookup culture on college campuses, right? So, you know, adults freak out about the idea that young people might be hooking up and having casual sex with each other, um, which obscures the actual real issues on college campuses, which are about power dynamics and predation, um, you know, which you know, is a real conversation. And also to a certain extent, the role of alcohol and sex and what are ways that are okay to combine them and what are ways that are dangerous to combine them um, and, and amoral or immoral to combine them. Um, so, but the, when we have that moral panic about the hookup culture, we, we miss out on having actually the actual important, meaningful conversation. And I think you're right with sex work and also with sexting, like the moral panic gets all the oxygen. And then we don't actually teach young people the difference between you know, somebody sending someone they know and maybe are already intimate with or want to be intimate with, uh, with permission, right? So there's also the issue of sort of unsolicited pictures, usually from guys to women, right? But not always. Um, right. So like with permission or invitation, sending a, a intimate picture as a means of sexual expression or connection. And what seems to have been like a game of collecting baseball cards, Um which is, I think, a very different activity and, and involves vi- a lot. It has to have involved a lot of violations of consent. I, it's hard for me to think of that it wouldn't. If you're talking about 300 different people depicted in these photos. Also, the the different kind of peer pressure that might be involved in someone who consented under the promise of feeling like, Oh, like all the cool girls are, right. are, you know, so if you want to be one of the cool Pokemons, then you, then you need to send a picture. And, you know, I'm trying to imagine myself in a situation where, um, I am being asked to send a naked picture of myself, um, Obviously, I have, obviously not obviously, I have a lot of experience with that, um, with people that I'm dating or partnered with. Um, and I'm trying to imagine sort of being presented with the idea that it would be really, you will like be in the cool crowd or the in crowd if you do this. 
And that actually leads me to something else that I wanted to talk about, which is that is a, somebody unconsensually sharing that picture is a violation of my trust and, and a violation of an agreement and, and a non-consensual sharing. But it only hurts me insofar as I am ashamed of people seeing me naked. Do you see what I'm saying? I don't agree with that. Okay. I think you can feel really comfortable with your body and your nakedness and want to have control over who gets exposure to it and why. I don't think it requires shame. No, absolutely. I, I think that I'm uh, that either my idea is half baked or I'm not articulating well enough. And I, I really appreciate what what you're saying. Uh, as as somebody who has been a sex worker for ten years, I'm uh, like very very um, concerned with the difference between um, the the part of my sexuality or the part of my naked body that I choose to share and the yes. idea that someone would then feel that they were entitled to it because I had shared it before. I guess part of what I'm saying is that like when we see this moral panic, the, the idea is that nothing could possibly be worse for a woman than for people to see her naked. Oh, I agree with that. Although I, and I wish, and again, it's that question I think, and I think you really put the, nail on the head like the, the the moral panic that makes us unable to have the nuanced conversation right so i wish we could be talking about the difference between that sort of implied you should feel ashamed if everyone sees you naked right which is that moral judgment and that it is actually terrible and traumatic for a lot of people regardless of gender when people see them naked without them having consent or control over those circumstances right exactly it's not uh, yeah it's not the nakedness right it's the agency that's the that's the violation yeah and the fact that that's not how the discussion is being framed i think is totally symptomatic of what is like rotten in our culture rotten yes that's a great word that i don't use often enough rotten to the core yes it is rotten to the core absolutely it's like it's like it's rot it's like the roots of it are rotting and we got to go down and dig them up because we can't just keep pruning things like it's just gonna keep getting fucked again over and over and yeah so even to the point where we say getting fucked is a bad thing um well right and i do that too i don't mean that as an accusation because like lord knows i have not excised the f word from my vocabulary even as like a as a bad curse word because it's so satisfying but i think that um even our even our basic language is colonized with it right you're screwed you're like you've been fucked in the ass yeah totally god it's so funny speaking of being uh, a kid i i completely remember being an adolescent and not understanding that I understood that fuck was a bad word, but I remember the moment that I, I understood that it was a word that meant sex. Uh, and uh, anyway, that was just a little aside. And like, and suck, like that sucks. That's a bad thing, right? If something sucks, right? And right. even, and I actually haven't taken the time to follow the etymology on this, but every time someone says someone was butthurt, I wince. Of course. Totally. That's bad. Like that, doesn't that mean like, they were anally raped or something like it just suggests something bad and sexual to or me. Or that anal sex, anal bottoming to anal sex always does hurt, and that you're always submissive, and that you're always have been coerced in doing it. And it's humiliating, and at the very least, yeah. I actually also remember watching some sitcom where someone accused a coworker of brown nosing, and I asked my dad. <gasps> what that meant and it meant i mean this was like a this was like an nbc sitcom sure brown nosing isn't actually concerned considered a particularly dirty thing to say anymore which is funny isn't it funny and i i asked you know i'm i'm somebody we'll get to this i'm sure but i'm somebody who, who has always been very obsessed with language and um which is why i teach workshops on dirty talk now and wrote a book about sexual communication on in the digital age but um yeah i i just remember being like well what so can you explain to me what brown nosing means and even when my uh dad bless him did explain to me what it meant i still didn't understand why that was supposed to be bad oh that's lovely (laughs) i once got grounded i think for saying that something sucked because my mother was like do you know what that means like she was very scandalized that i had said it i might have been 14 or 15 and i was like kind of um (laughs) uh 
we are way far afield, but I love talking about swear words and sex. Um, someday I will write something actually well researched and smart about the like the like sexual assumptions and shame built into our curse language. Um, so if you were to write the New York Times article, mm. what would you have written? What a great question. I think I would have said that what is happening with minors in America right now, the criminalization that they're facing, which is not just a slap on the wrist and not even bail or time in prison, which are, yeah, that's another podcast, um, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but also lifelong sex offender registry right. stuff, you know, systems that were designed to protect children, um, now like destroying ch children's lives, um, because people have to follow the letter of the law about them. Um, I think that it is symptomatic of the way that we think about communication and technology. I think that adults are not doing the work to understand that communicate that digital communication, communication over SMS communication over Gchat, communication over Skype, as you and I are doing right now, even without the video, um, uh, that these are analogous to the ways that we communicate IRL, as, as we say, in real life, um, and that thinking of them as different is where these breakdowns start. Right, that there's a lot of fear of the tech as well. That's right. That's yeah. right. Exactly. And like that, in the in the articles, there was a bunch of stuff about like how there are these ghost apps, which I you know like I'm an old, so I didn't know about this. But old as well, yeah. <laughs> evidently, I learned from the scandal that there are, you can download these apps that look like a calculator, but are places to hide files that you don't want people it to see. Like Dashbox, right? Right, which is sort of clever. I'm like, of course that exists. Now that I heard about it, like someone had to invent that. Um, but then the idea that, like, adults are sort of, like, policing the phones of young people, you know, that, that you have to hide it, you know, I think it ties into, I think that secrecy allows the the nasty attitudes about sex to fester, right? Like, for me, one of the things that I would write about is why do we play sex like a game, right? Like, why why were they being traded like Pokemon cards, right? Like, why do we not see naked people as people? Um, yeah. Right? Like, I don't have any trouble with people sending naked pictures to each other, but I do – I am troubled by the football team being at the center of a initiative, shall we call it, where you can rack up points by collecting non-consensual sexual photography but you know what the 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 secrecy besides being something that leads to the messiness also leads to the appeal because yes when something is when something needs to be secret it becomes verboten and i don't care what age you are we all want what we can't have to a certain degree or another and especially as you're learning about your sexuality and you have so many restrictions put on you, you start to, uh, to, it starts to become erotic, this idea that you have this hidden thing that, and also, frankly, that you feel smug that you know more than the authority figures. Maybe, uh, maybe that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm like that too. But also I think the secrecy, means makes it harder for young people and older people to tell the difference between bullshit shame and things you should actually like shame your feeling because you're doing something you should be ashamed of yeah. right like if it all feels like shameful right so it feels shameful that you're looking at naked pictures at all then right. i think it makes it harder to actually listen to your moral compass when you're actually crossing a line you know violating somebody's agency um because if it all feels shameful how do you how do you tell when something's actually ethical that's right and we're not uh, we as adults 
are not learning that and teaching that to each other. And then we're definitely not teaching it to the next generation. And then the next generation is becoming adults, not knowing the difference. And it's, it's perpetuating all this rot. Rot. Yes. The rot at the root, the rotten roots, (laughs) the rotten roots, which should be like an all girl punk band, I think. I think I think we've we're onto something. <laughs> I can't sing, but I can shake my hair around a lot. Perfect. You've got great hair. <laughs> Thank you. That's all that's all punk needs. <laughs> I can yell and shake my head around. Perfect. Okay. Um yeah, the secrecy. And and it also for me has echoes of like, do you remember this summer the case of the kid at the prep school who was on trial for rape? I'm not, uh, tell me more. Okay. So was this kid who was on trial, who was accused of rape. He was at some fancy prep school, the name of which is escaping me. It was Saint something, right? Um, and every year the seniors do or did, I'm assuming that they have discontinued it after the trial, but something called a senior salute where the seniors try and rack up and as how many freshmen they can get to like fool around with them or have sex with them. And it's that same and, – and this one kid obviously got too aggressive about too, – too much caring about the points and not enough caring about the actual human being in front of you. Oh God, um, it's, it's like cops that need to fill their quotas so they like pull you over for having a taillight. It is a little bit like that. And so um, – you know, the point system for, like, collecting different kinds of people's naked pictures, it just has strong echoes of that. Well, you know, I mean, gosh, I don't even know if I want to go down the rabbit hole of thinking about the curiosity about group sex and the group think um, when it comes to sex. And also that is part of what is making people so nervous is the idea that and the homosocial element of this. I mean, come on all of these football players like talking to each other about like as they like oh yeah as they treat women like commodities okay but they're all like essentially jerking off together if they were not literally jerking off together well if you if you study gang rape you see a lot of those are homosocial acts right that they're showing off for each other that they're in some ways creating a sexual connection together by violating somebody else together that's right yeah right um because there's no other you know i don't want to say because like obviously most men you know are raised under the same structures of masculinity and manage not to gang rape anybody but um (laughs) you know when there are prohibitions against you know intimacy among men it gets rotten at the roots quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Yeah, which leads me to another thing that I wanted to explore with you, which is thinking about. Uh, I mean, I, I realize that it's a little bit of walking on eggshells talking about minors and sexuality, um, but... Oh, let's do it. Oh, great. Okay, so I, as someone who was once a teenager, I feel like I can speak from that place. You know, it's a coincidence, but I was also once a teenager. Oh my gosh, maybe around at the same time. <laughs> 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 Roughly. Um, but, uh, you know, um, I I guess... I can't help but think about sexting as safer sex. Oh, and, yeah. And, um, oh, and I read a study, uh, I believe I read it on Slate, that, um, that, that 
studies are showing that sex, that the teenagers who sexed are that 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 behavior is not necessarily correlated to more quote unquote risky sexual behavior, um, which they defined as not using protection, but also as having a lot of partners, which I take issue with. Um, but well, especially there's been recent research that shows that people who practice polyamory have less risk of infection than monogamous people. I can't imagine why that would be. Um, <laughs> um, but, but, but anyway, so the, but the, the study showed that, that a teenager who sex is more, it, there is a correlation that a teenager that sex is more likely to be about to start to be sexually active. Um, but not necessarily to do so in a risky way. Right. And so great. So that somebody who's just on the cusp of becoming engaged in partnered sex, let's give them a ton of shame and fear about sex. Exactly. That's a great idea. That will go well. And also, I can definitely imagine a lot of scenarios in which two young people who are dating and let's just say for the sake of argument that they're monogamous i don't think they have to be but like let's just say that they're monogamous and committed to one another sometimes it simplifies the argument yeah that's right they're not cheating on each other they're not like both being promiscuous etc etc that they are deciding to uh you know they're exploring sex together and they are, you know, maybe falling in love, maybe having a lot of affectionate and intimate and, and trusting feelings with one another, which I experienced as a teenager and I think can be a really beautiful and, and wonderful thing. I mean, look at how great I turned out. Um, uh, polyamorous, kinky, pervert, slut, whore. <laughs> <laughs> So, now you're just bragging it's because no it's it's all because of my loving monogamous relationships as a teenager um but uh but anyway uh, you know i i could i can just imagine so many situations in which instead of, you know what are, what are people afraid of in terms of teenagers and sex that teenagers are going to go right to sex when they're not emotionally ready they're not committed their trust is going to be violated they're like not going to end up very well adjusted because they're going to be sort of like traumatized by these experiences that they have when they're younger that women are the young women are going to be coerced into doing things that they don't want to do because they feel pressured to please there are men who are obviously going to be hornier and have higher sex drives than the girls like all of these things that people are afraid of and like uh, imagining a scenario in which two people are exploring with each other and before they start before they get to second base before they get to third base before they go all the way home they i hate the bases they start i know but you know what i mean i know what you mean that they uh, that they start to that send each other yeah uh, send each other naked pictures and and i mean how exciting i mean what i think about being a teenager and kissing when I think about being a teenager and dry humping. Dry, oh my God. Spending like an hour or two and all you were doing was like making out and dry humping and maybe like groping around a little. And it was yeah. like the most agonizing sexual pleasure ever. Yeah. is not, you know, this digital misnomer, right? It was not terribly dry. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, uh, when I think about how exciting that was to me and, and, like thinking about like seeing someone naked and another thing people are so fucking freaked out about porn and how pervasive porn is and how all these young men they're like learning about sex from watching porn well and you know none of these women in porn aren't real which is something i take a lot of issue with um you know they have fake boobs which makes them not real they're blonde so they're not real they're sex workers so they're not real and like okay okay like let's put that debate aside and say if young people are going to be exploring and learning about sex and the, maybe some of the first times that they see sexually explicit images or even naked images, it's something that was curated for them, given to them out of trust. Yeah. I know, I know I'm imagining like, I know I don't want to be naive about how fucked up 
humans can be, whether they're teenagers or not. No, but the shame makes it easier for fucked up things to happen, right? Like, if you feel like you're already doing things that you can't talk to your parents or the adults in your life about by sexting, for example, then if you are being coerced, you're actually in a much more vulnerable position. If somebody is being abusive to you, you're in a much more vulnerable position than if you could talk openly about the fact that sex can be pleasurable and what are the circumstances that you might want to to have sex in or not have sex in and that it can be on your terms like that we can help young people just make discover their sexual selves and and talk about that in a positive way it's actually going to make them safer of all the stuff that we're adults are fucking panicked about and some of the stuff we, we panic about is real right like but we're not helping them yeah yeah the, the porn issue as sex ed is really complicated. I think porn is terrible sex ed, most of it, unless it was developed as sex ed, because it's a fantasy, right? Like most most sex doesn't really look like that because they're not considering yeah. camera angles and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and a well, lot of it is directed toward male pleasure, at least, you know, the free stuff on the tube sites. But the antidote to that is not ban porn. The antidote to that is like fucking teach sex ed, like pleasure-based comprehensive sex ed that includes porn literacy. Yeah, and as my friend Maggie Mayhem once said, we don't teach kids to drive by showing them the Fast and the Furious. Exactly. What exact precise precisomatically? Yes. Yeah, and 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 to your point about teaching porn literacy, um, I think, and and masturbation literacy. Frankly, I mean, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're, this is another example of porn consumption is another example of something that is shrouded in shame and mystery. And so then people don't think logically, frankly, and they definitely don't think ethically. And you have to sit them down and explain to them that porn is an industry in the way that grocery stores are an industry. <laughs> and that if you want ethical porn, just like you want ethical produce, you have to shop, you know, or you have to like vote with your money, and you have to you have like to read the ingredients and figure out who sourced it, and yeah, right. And you, you know, you might want to go to, you know, and and a company that is transparent about their ethics, and you know, the people aren't people aren't aren't thinking about those things because I mean, I can't, this is also another podcast, but I, I can't get over how when I have conversations about porn with civilians, um, <laughs> they, they talk about tube sites as if that is the, as if it's synonymous with internet porn. Right. And, you know, Stoya has written a really, really the great porn performer and writer. Stoya has, has written, um, some really great articles about, um, uh, how to, uh, be an ethical porn consumer. And I'd like to see, uh, more about that. It's a little getting, veering a little bit off topic, but, um, but I do think that it's, it's part and parcel of the same thing where people are not taught to know the difference between, um, Maybe you should be ashamed of watching your porn on a porn tube site, but not for the reason that you think you right. should be. I mean, I think that it's not off topic because it seems to me that the topic isn't actually sexting. The topic that we're talking about is moral panic. Yeah. Right. That that all of, all of these topics we're talking about have in common is that exact point you made brilliantly in the beginning, which is all the energy and narrative that goes into the moral panic actually just makes everybody's lives worse and less safe and less pleasurable um and that and it obscures what the actual issues are absolutely and also the technology piece that we were talking about you know the porn and the internet and sexing in the internet and you know the, the other thing and this is something that when i was writing my book sexting which is an etiquette guide to to sexting like one of the things yeah that tell I, us about your book well i would love to <laughs> but you know i mean it's um it's definitely a book about language. I'm a writer and a very are you, are you lang- a cunning linguist. Is that what you're trying I to say? Am a linguist, that is correct. In all the, in more ways than one, um, and uh, I uh, am, you know, when I was okay, when I was asked by uh, Quiver Press, who have been really great, um, to write this book, uh, you know, it was because of my reputation uh, teaching 
about dirty talk. And I balked about it a little bit at first because actually I'm kind of a Luddite. And, um, <laughs> oh, you heard it here first, people. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, um, but I actually think that that has really worked to my advantage in terms of talking about the ethics and etiquette of sexting because I'm sort of not unlike, <laughs> like naturalized citizen of technology. Um, even though like adolescent wise, like I was 13 when we first got dial up internet. So like my, I like kind of grew up, um, with, uh, the internet in a way. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I'm not the first person to reach for a gadget, and I'm not the first person to be excited about, um, a, you know, an update of a new software or a new OS. And, um, uh, but so when I was really starting to sort of uh, like parcel out like the syntax of a lot of these things and be like, how, how are we going to, how are we going to talk about the ethics and etiquette of this? If we don't even know the terms that we're talking about. Right. One thing that I just want to say is that I feel like sexting has sort of in the news about the, the current events that we're talking about become synonymous with sending pictures because right, which I don't, I, when I think about sexting, I think about like telling somebody like I'm super wet for them and here's what I want them to do. Totally. And I, I, I sort of, you know, so I would like to welcome sexting as a, a little bit of a, an umbrella term for right. things that can be, um, pictures or language, um, and, uh, and, and video, I think in, in certain circumstances, um, and multimedia art, uh, you know, language together comics, uh, can be sexting if you're, um, fancy like that. But how, how would you sext a comic? <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't draw, so I, I wouldn't probably. <laughs> Would you take a picture of the comic and then text it to someone? I mean, I guess, I guess, I mean, in a to, to be to be nerdy for a second. I mean, I have used Snapchat. I don't use it that often, but like one of the, but I, and I, I talk. Oh, about I see what you're talking about. I have used Snapchat like four times because a lot of the college students that I work with use it, and I wanted to understand it. But I don't use. I'm not a Snapchat user in any real way. Yeah, I totally feel like you were saying earlier, like, it, it. I'm totally an old, and, like, I have friends who are, like, three years younger than me, they're like, Snapchat is the way, and I'm like, I can't even, I can't even with this. Um, but, uh, but in the sense that, that often Snapchats are combinations of images and pictures. And then you doodle on them, yeah. Right, that's right. I, I'm also a huge uh, fan of emoji. I think that emoji are totally awesome, and that sometimes that we can communicate much better and on a more like individual way that we can create um uh what's the word i'm looking for um uh fuck 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 uh dialects that we can create like dialects with like like individual people like for example there are there are people who understand that and this is not like sexy at all um but like there are people in my life who understand that when I I text um, the emoji of the crystal ball, you know, the little purple crystal, yeah, yeah. that that is just that's just my emoji, <laughs> and that's just the emoji that like expresses me. So like sometimes if I just can't even with something and I just need to express like the most of me, like or the like greatest emotion, I will like just text the crystal ball yeah my partner and i have a a code like there are a couple of feelings and they're this is not even sexual that we want to like express to each other that we don't feel like that's just an adequate emoji for and we've like designated them and they're like random emojis right and we're like that emoji means this thing right yeah yeah this little running boy and so sometimes when i'm like really excited about seeing someone i will like text the little running boy and it's like so much more effective than saying i am so excited to see you because it right. also is reflecting like the sort of more like childlike part yeah. of me that is like oh my god i'm so excited to see you daddy you know what i mean <laughs> so, i think we are actually on a tangent now <laughs> well, this is about sexting <laughs> i don't know we're not talking about the eggplant how can it be about sexting i got oh, the peach god i love that peach um and uh i love the like little hand that looks like it's hovering i like putting the little hovering hand next to the peach oh. with the, like, like droplets of cum and or sweat you know what i'm talking about so anyway um, wait I, where are the droplets 
Where are the droplets? Where, you mean like where are they in your phone? Or there's like a they? droplet emoji that you put next to the hand in the peach. Yeah, so it's basically like it's either like sweat or cum. I am learning things right now. See, buy my book. Buy my book. <laughs> is there a chapter about using emojis in your sexting? It's 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 short. It's short. The whole book is short, and there is a chapter about using emojis. There are like ten sentences, like example sentences that use. I am all for this. Yay! <laughs> and it's also funny, you know, because technology moves so fast. I wrote the book a year ago, so right now it's... Um, yeah, they just came out with a bunch of new emojis. I know. Yeah. Taco emoji. Hello. It's about uh, fucking time. We have a taco emoji, and I'm not even being dirty, although I could be. But, like, I love tacos. I know. And sometimes you just need to be like, taco, question mark? You know? <laughs> um, so, okay. So, um, but... So I really, I do think that, um, I, I do think that sexting should be considered an umbrella of all of the ways that we communicate sexually using technology. And I think that we should always use technology as a tool. Sometimes people, when people don't know how to behave with texting, and the book is about sex, but it's also about um, relationships and a little bit about online dating as well. Um, and I think that where people tend to feel really alienated and really frustrated and really confused is when they think that the rules of communication have changed because it's mediated by software. And I think that the maybe the number one thing that I want to advise people to do is to always be reminding themselves, like, I'm talking to a person right now. I am a person talking to a person. Yes. Right now. And, well, and, that's, and that brings it back all the way around. Like, that's what I find troubling about this story, this sexting story, yeah. is not that there were naked pictures of young people being exchanged between each other, but that it sounds like they weren't be treated, being treated like pictures of human beings. Right. Like full human beings. Um, and it's that humanity that I always come back to, that question of agency and humanity that I think should be the test, not not like our young people being sexy with each other, which is ridiculous. The answer is yes. Oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, uh, so, so now that we're back on this topic, I mean, another thing that's so crazy about this is like before all of these teenagers had personal computers and porn making machines in their pockets like okay like in the 90s when i was a teenager like we all we all connected with one another sexually and i'm sure at my high school alone there were moments where at parties like you know sort of whatever would be analogous to like girls you know uh being explored like naked girls naked bodies being exploited for the like status of like masculine and homosocial groups such as the football team right like mm -hmm. you know like you know girls gone wild like taking off your being pressured to like get drunk and take off your shirt or give a blowjob or something like that like at, at a at a party maybe not i mean i'm sure like yes rape happens but also like other things where like girls are just sort of being um as you were saying like not treated like humans and being treated like sexual objects in a way that they don't have the opportunity to sexualize themselves or or influence or have agency over and i so i guess it's the weird thing is that in one way if girls are now you know being peer pressured into participating or being being unconsensually involved in this ring so-called ring of naked pictures and them being sexualized by people that they didn't consent to be sexualized by like their picture a picture of them being sexualized maybe is going to be less um traumatizing than being sexualized like in person at a party do you see what i'm saying i do um, i think that's dangerous to make that assumption i think it might be that experience for a lot of girls but you know there's Certainly stories of girls who were, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the girl, but there's a famous case of a girl who was 
coerced into showing her boobs to somebody over Skype and then he took a picture of it and sent it to all her classmates and she wound up committing suicide. So um, the idea that we know what will be more traumatizing to any individual, I think is dangerous. Well, I I totally agree. And I I think this is sort of the second time that you've kind of caught me on this like circular logic that is maybe not quite adding up because like the other element of it is that there is the, the the difference between this happening at a frat party or it even happening consensually between two people is that there's a record of it. And, right. that's, and that is where that's where somebody has power over the naked picture of you, even when you're not there and can use it for purposes that can be really traumatizing. And also is, is considered child pornography. Right. I mean, the, the idea, the idea that when I think of the sexual experiences that I had when I was a minor and think about if there was a record of, a this, record that, of it them. Be, that it would be child pornography blows my mind, you know, because what I, the, the things that, the things that I did, I was very lucky as a teenager to have all of my sexual uh, experiences and uh, explorations and experiments be consensual. Some of them were like dumb as fuck, right? <laughs> sure. How you learn? That's good. It's good that I had those experiences when I was a teenager. And like, um, I think it all it should become child pornography when it becomes non-consensual. That's right. That's right. Well, and then this gets into the thorny ethical issues of whether or not people can make child pornography of themselves no right? people cannot like, make child pornography of themselves because they're, they're, they're being good people are being prosecuted. no i know and it's outrageous it's outrageous um it's ridiculous you're making an image of yourself and i i, I think in most cases you're sharing it with an individual person um and if somebody and if somebody gets their hands on that and they share it and that is the person who that, yes see of sharing child pornography but we miss that because of all the moral panic Exactly. I think I think we have come around on this. It's probably a pretty good stopping point on the subject. Um, did you have a question you want to encourage folks to talk about on Twitter using the YMY hashtag? Oh, gosh. Um, what, uh, I guess, like, I can ask um, maybe something that's, like, a little bit more upbeat and positive. Like, what is what is your favorite way to text or not to text but to to sex like what is your what is the um like what is your favorite like what like really turns you on about um consensual obviously consensual sexting and specifically for me i want to hear your emoji strategies because obviously my emoji game is not where it needs to be (laughs) so you can share that with us at hashtag ymy as in yes means yes and we'll be checking the hashtag but you can also at us directly i'm at jacqueline f that's j-a-c-l-y-n-f and tino where are you on twitter i am tina horns ass which is spelled the same (laughs) as tina horn sass (laughs) Um, and and so that's T I N A H O R N S A S S. Perfect. Now, as you know, we usually end our show with an advice question. I don't actually have one this time. So, hello, listeners. I know you're out there and that you would like some help with your questions about sexuality. Um, send them in at uh, YMYs and yes means yes at JacquelineFreeman.com but in the meantime I wonder if we could just ask you like what are the number one what's the number one advice question you get asked about sexting and then can you answer it yeah I mean the number one I'd be happy to um, you know the number one thing that people say to me about um, about dirty talk is how do I do it without laughing or I don't know what to say um and I I think that one of the things that I just really love to talk about with dirty talk is that compliments are dirty talk and I think that that people forget about that and that it's a really great thing to keep in mind if you're trying to remember what to say that whether it is 
over a text message or in or while you are talking about what you want to do in bed, like negotiating or what you want to do in a kink scene. Um, there's a lot of kink stuff in my book because I'm a kinky pervert. Um, and also what you say in the heat of the moment, just telling someone that they look fucking hot and that they look fucking good, and that their hair looks good, and that their tits look amazing when they're bouncing or that their ass looks so good with your, your dick disappearing in and out of it, you know, like... Tell, or, you know, if you're, like, in an intimate and romantic relationship with someone, like, telling them, like, how much you love them and, and being sweet and being romantic totally counts as dirty talk. And I think it's, um, gets kind of left behind or people don't realize that that can be arousing because it creates a sense of connection and creates a sense of, of intimacy. And um, don't say I love you if you, for the first time when you're having sex. <laughs> oh, yes, for real. Because you probably just mean, I love this, <laughs> not I love you. Um, but uh, but also, yeah, just really, and, and also, also complimenting yourself and saying, like, I'm so good at fucking you, and you like that, don't you? Which is kind of a cliche, but it's, some, it's a dirty talk cliche that I really love to say. Cliche for um, a reason. Cliche for a reason, exactly. Um and, uh, and, you know, and there's lots of other stuff in the book. There's, there's dirty, um, fill in the blanks. We can't say Mad Libs because Mad Libs are actually, um, uh, copywritten. Uh, uh. but you get the, you get the idea. Um, uh, and, you know, some of the other stuff that you'll learn about in the book, like dirty anatomy and dirty identities, like, you know, like slut or mommy or, uh, you know, any, any other, um, kind of, uh, sexual identity. Um, Which is a great tie in actually to your podcast. Cause I was listening to the show about being a little about age play which well, i thought was so interesting you know i went through you know after we met i went through the list and i was like what what's in that actually i actually me jacqueline freeman really want to learn more about and i was like oh that's one that i like need to hear more about because i'm always a little like what um me it was too. super fascinating yeah and Susie q who is my guest on the wired people into age play episode has her own podcast called the Horecast, and she is totally amazing and uh i you know i i love one of the things i love about doing wired people into that my podcast is that i i learn things and i also learn perspectives on sex that i, I mean i i think about sex and work in sex and create things around sex like constantly and things still surprise me and that's one of the things that I love about it is that the politics are obviously endless and the the capacity for individuals to tell their stories is endless uh, and uh, you know that's why I'm so obsessed with it <laughs> so love it that seems like a good place to stop like exactly like it's all so juicy and that's also what gets left behind in the moral panic right not only are we not talking about that's the stuff right. that really needs to be addressed like the the violations of consent and agency but then we also don't talk about all the great stuff <laughs> um so you know i was super wrapped when you were doing your dirty talk just now just for the record <laughs> um so Thank you so much for coming on the show and reminding us of what's awesome about sexting um, and what's not awesome about the rotten roots of our sexual culture. Thank you so much for having me. It's so it's really refreshing to talk to you about this stuff. I loved it. Um, you know, when you have other bees in your bonnet about other subjects, you should let me know. I'd love to have you back anytime. Oh, so great. I always have bees in my bonnet. All right. Well, keep me posted. And in the meantime, where can people find your work, your book, uh, your podcast, you in general? Where can people follow you? Totally. So I, I have a couple of websites. One is tinahorn.net. So that's T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N dot N-E-T. And... Um, uh, I also have, uh, so, okay, so on uh, tinahorn.net is where you can find links to um, pretty much all of my published writing and um, links to more about my, my books and um, where you can buy them, uh, hopefully at an indie bookstore near you. Um, and um, and then wirepeopleintothat.com is sort of the home base of my podcast. My podcast is also on iTunes and Stitcher and wherever you like to listen to podcasts or you can stream it from the website. 
um, like I said, I'm at Tina Horn's Ass. And um, yeah, I have a book out called Love Not Given Lightly that is a nonfiction book about Bay Area sex workers. And um, uh, Sexting comes out on January 1st, 2016. Um, and you can find links to buy it on my website. And, you know, just come check me out and say hi. I would love to um, hear from the folks who are listening to this. Wahoo. And I am uh, Jacqueline F. on Twitter. And you can also follow me at Jacqueline F. on Facebook. Uh, and you can see all my stuff at JacquelineFriedman.com. Friedman is F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N. Please, please email me at Y-M-Y, as in yes means yes, at JacquelineFriedman.com. Send me your advice questions for myself and a future guest to answer. Send me your ideas for future guests or future topics. Let me know what you think of the show. I love hearing from listeners. Um, that's all we have for you this week. Happy sexting, everyone, and we're wishing you safe and happy sex lives. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.